well, um, Jesus speaks about um, the blessedness. Um, he set forth the characteristics of the ideal subject for his kingdom. So I'm just going to read the Beatitudes. <laughs> um, verse 3 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be full. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So this passage it takes away the idea that what man expects happiness to be and blessedness to be. But the Lord refers blessedness in poverty, mourning, hunger, and thirst. There are four passive qualities that Christ called bliss. Spiritual inadequacy. The meaning of that means um, like you're not enough or you're not good enough. Verse 3, blessed are the poor in spirit. The next one is spiritual contrition. So last night I went to search what is spiritual um, contrition. It means a state of feeling remorseful. And usually the churches in the Catholic they would do that. They would go up to the priest and ask the Father for forgiveness. Um, and then I have spiritual humility. Um, the quality of having a modest or low view on one's importance. That's the meaning of humility. Um, to be meek is to be gentle, quiet, and easily imposed. Those who are meek are entirely dependent on God. And then the fourth point is spiritual aspiration, a hope or ambition of achieving something. So then there's four active social qualities, and that is to be compassionate in spirit, pure in heart, conciliatory in spirit, and unswerving loyalty. <laughs> so I'm going to end, and um, so in conclusion, it is a disciple's duty to go out and make disciples of all nations and to touch the whole man, the whole gospel, to the whole world. Amen. <laughs> Amen. To that, I'm also very emotional being, my grandma always says, it might be my unpaid, but kind of sad, but can I would be just reminding you, or, uh, my topic is the conditions of discipleship. Please excuse me if my voice like sounds a bit crying, but I'm not going to cry, I promise myself. Um, so I'm going to start with uh, my reading Matthew 16, verse 24. So Matthew, then Jesus said, to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. 
for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste the death before they see the Son of Man coming into his kingdom. So the first, Jesus said there are some conditions of being a disciple because you cannot continue to do whatever you want to do in this life. He will accept you as you are when you come to him, but he does not expect you to stay in that condition because he is in the business of transformation. I just want to share a small testimony before I continue. Like I, there was one morning, one afternoon, I stood in the kitchen and I told my husband, uh, this world has nothing to offer us because we have so many things going into our life. So why don't we give Jesus a chance? Like we, like any insurance has terms and conditions, so does Jesus. So we sign that conditions and we just go on with it. We don't even care what they say or what they do. And like the talus need item, because we don't even read those conditions. Just tick me that tick box and I tear the nose. So why can't we just do Jesus' conditions? So Jesus says, Decide to follow me. Jesus must decide. We must decide to follow Jesus Christ. It's a choice. It's an act of will. The second condition, deny yourself. We are to lay down the old man, deny ourselves, meaning the flesh. There are some things we will have to give up, some ways we will have to change, and sometimes there are some people that we have to let go in our life in order for us to be able to change the course we are now going. The old you is hard to lay down, and I have experienced that. Even with family members, they cannot believe, and they say, oh, and then my favorite thing is, oh, it is a church doll now. That is not my way. I don't go that way anymore. But it's, it's, it really is hard for some of them, for some of the old you to be laid down. As some of us have been obeying that life for a very long time. And the second one is to, to die daily or to take up your cross daily. Jesus states that we are to take up our cross, meaning to lift up the new man as to walk in the spirit. In Luke it states, take up your cross daily, not when you feel like it, not when you're in church worshipping or when you're around fellow believers, but it says every day, non-stop. The cross represents duty, service, work, sacrifice, a great cost, and sometimes even your life. And the next one is direction. Let Jesus take your life. He says, follow me. When he made potential disciples, he would tell them, follow me. What does follow me really means? Let me direct your life. Take a back seat. It means take a back seat or the passenger seat and let me drive and direct your life. The next one is do what Jesus commanded. Do what Jesus teaches. Jesus' disciples are expected to obey, obey his commands. And in devotion, in Luke 14, 26, if anyone comes to me and does, does not hate the fa his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. 
So devotion to Christ must be greater than your family members or anyone else, even greater than your life itself. And sometimes my children would say, sorry, Jaden. <laughs> they would say, Mommy, I'll be a Jaden. But Mommy, I'll be a Tatum. And then I tell them, I want to be a disciple. I pray and I want to do this. So please help me. There are times when I go into the discipleship on the Zoom, you know, like, help me, help me. And it's like, I'll be a Monday to Wednesday. And I said, I want to learn more. I grew up in the Anglican church where they didn't teach me all of this. Yes, we went. We read the Bible. We pledged. We did all of that. I didn't know about tithing. I didn't know it in my 10% care. And we pledged on the opposite and avoid. So I said, well, I want to be this disciple, so I have to put It's not that I hate you like it says here. I still love you, but I need to love Jesus more. And then the next one is, it's actually the last one. It's not the least one. Determine the cost and accept it. It's simply the same as when you, like my husband tiles. So when he tiles and he gives you a purchase, then you're going to look at it and say, can I afford this? Can I do this? Okay, let's count the cost and we carry on. So it's the same like when I was in the, if I can say the world, it's like, um, and I was thinking, Sister Josephine said last week, don't get me wrong, my life is a mess. At Lake Kisuni, smile, it's a total mess. But it was something that happened inside. And that was the cost. Like some people would say, or the devil, actually the enemy would say, but your job By the way, I lost my job. You had a place to stay. You had food in the cupboard. You had all of that. So go back, man. There can be other side of this grave. But it's something inside of you that says, just Jesus is there. It doesn't matter. He makes the storm easier. And for me, it's like, we ate, we survived. I've been at home for two months, we survived. And sorry, I drink, I don't deal with coffee, I drink the best of coffee. Because we survived. And then I tell the enemy, some morning he tells me, Papa, would you get to her? Like Sister Josephine said, when you walk standing, the nurse had super dear, then I lay, then I said, ah, and I clearly hear him say, don't get up. Your life is in any case a mess. But when I get to church, Whoever preaches, and I'm like, confirmation, like the word says, that was for me. So first I just want to say, the classes I'm still learning, and when I was preparing, I thought to myself, can you mean so many judges, this is wrong and that is wrong. But then the other voice spoke to me, they do it if they mean I want to give you a choice and I can tell my children that's poor. 
at that stage, I will help you. I will help you. And that is how I know that I can be that disciple and that inside of me they change. Thank you. Our service um, theme this morning is Follow Me, a call for discipleship. Now I've got a verse that I want to share on Mark 8:34. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up the cross and follow me. Now my title this morning is Evidence of Discipleship. Another word for evidence is proof. The word discipleship simply means a disciplined learner or a follower. Now, I am currently working in insurance as a claims consultant. I deal with the word proof daily. When a client submits a claim, the onus is on the client to prove his claim or his loss. So the client needs to prove, have proof of approved evidence or proof when submitting a claim. Example, when you have a jewelry theft claim or you have a cell phone um, claim that has been stolen, you need proof of evidence. Um, sorry, proof of ownership. So um, the, another word for proof of ownership is title deed. And that identifies the, prof the property or item you own. In the same way, in the same way as as a disciple, we need to have evidence to prove that we are true disciples. In a disciple's life, your proof of evidence or your title deed would be Jesus Christ. Um, I'm going to John 15, going to read John 15 verse 8. And the, the, the scripture reading is, This is to my Father's glory, that you bear fruit, proving yourself. To be my disciple. That verse simply means we are, if we are truly a disciple of Jesus, then we will have spiritual fruit in our lives. That means results, it means evidence. In Galatians, um, Galatians 5, verse 22 says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Let me take you through some of the evidence of a discipleship. First, we should be a follower of Christ, a strong believer. Love should be your epicenter as a disciple. We should be prayer intercessors. We should fast. We should be pure at heart. We should be long life, a, long, a lifelong learner and we should be committed, obedient. We should be peacemakers and we should walk in integrity. We should be transparent and submissive. Remember, we're not always going to get this right. As long as we have a heart of repentance, God will do the rest. In any I have a question. Can we say we are disciples of Jesus? Or how many of us can say, yes, I am a disciple? Let me, let, let's look at what Jesus said it meant to be a disciple. 
In John 13, verse 34 and 35, he says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another in the same way I loved you. You love one another. By this will all know that you are my disciple, if you have love for one another. But the Bible, in the Bible, the term Christian was, was reserved for a disciple. Jesus made it very clear. It's the one thing that speaks more than anything is this. It's the quality of relationship and the way we treat one another. This is where the evidence of discipleship is seen. So in other words, how we relate to the person next to us and others in the body of Christ and how we treat them. That's how we will know if we are a disciple or not. So as a disciple, our lives completely belongs to God. Philippians 1, 21 says, For me to love is Christ and to die is um, Archbishop Superintendent Brother Mario, or Uncle. Um, yeah, thank you for the opportunity, uh, Pastor. Um, Apostle um, Peter John, Josephine, and leadership. Um, I will be speaking about the test of uh, the disciple, and my scripture reading is in Luke 9 verse 57 or from 57 so I'm not nervous whoever doesn't know the Lord must be nervous for me right now <laughs> so let's read as they were walking along the road a man said to him I will follow you wherever you go Jesus replied Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man had no place to lay his head. He said to another man, Follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. So another one said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and, and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. So we, I will be speaking about, so there's three characters over here. The, one, three, the first one is the impulsive volunteer. The second one is a reluctant uh, conscript. And the third one is the half-hearted volunteer. So if you look at the, uh, the, 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 the first, um, first person is the impulsive volunteer. But this, shall I say, is all about, um, you know, counting the costs before you start building. So no one will start building if he doesn't count the costs. So, we, you know, most of us, I would say, you know, we want to do something quickly. We want to start building. But we don't count the cost and then at the end of the day we found out that we either ran, ran out of resources, we ran out of material or money. Um, so, so the first person, like I said, the impulsive volunteer, um, is 
he, he makes himself available. He, he, he quickly said, I'm available. But then we find out that when Jesus told him that foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head, he realized that, you know, uh, look, I, I haven't counted the cost. He, he didn't think it through. And then he realized that, uh, okay, but this is not for me. And we find that we get a lot of that people that I call them Diablos. You know, let's say, because it is no doubt, but that's a beer cake. That then they know where to be found, you know. Um, and, and, and at the end of the day, when we follow Christ, we need to make sure that, you know, the decision that we are making to follow Him is that there's going to be uncomfortability. There's not going to be your five-star hotel places that you're going to, you know, lay your head down and stuff like that. So... Um, I, I, I borrowed this from someone else where I saw that when Jesus walked on the water Peter saw that when they realized it was Jesus that was walking on the water Peter said Jesus I want to walk on the water as well you know and then Jesus said come to me and then Peter got out of the boat and when he started taking a few steps he realized hey but I'm really walking on the water and then when he realized he starts sinking, you know. So we need to be we need to be sure that when we are a disciple or when we want to follow Christ, we need to be we need to be sure that this is, you know, we, we, we need to count the cost at the end of the day. So the second one is the reluctant conscript. So this speaks about the second person speaks about um, you know that Jesus, yeah, Jesus asked him. Um, Jesus said follow me Jesus invited him he said Lord but first let me go and bury my father so this specific person had a reservation he had a reservation you know um, and, and we find that most of us is in that position where we said that okay I, I want to but I still need to go and do this you know can we go to Luke 14 verse 26? Luke 14 verse 26. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife, children, brother, sister, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. This is deep, people. This is deep. But it doesn't mean that you must hate. It just say love less. Because in another scripture in Matthew 26, 22 verse 36 it said love your God with all your heart all your soul and with all your mind which means Jesus cannot come God cannot come second he cannot come second he must come first in your life he must come first in your life so this means that when you follow him you need to follow the master there cannot be nothing keeping you behind there cannot be nothing that's going to disturb you, that's going to draw you back, you know what I'm saying, uh, to, to whatever's at the back. So when you follow him, you need to go. Then, um, so then we look at the half-hearted volunteer. We find that in today's life, we get a lot of them in your workplace, all over but today we're speaking about the disciple 
You cannot be when you disciple, when you want to be God's disciple, you cannot be half-hearted. Okay? There is a reward in loyalty. There is a reward in loyalty. So, when you see to God's matters first, God will see to your things. He will see to your things. And that's why in Matthew, it speaks, first see the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all shall be added. Where do we put ourselves in? Are we the impulsive person that, um, me, I'll go, and then, at the end of the start, then you are nowhere to be found. Are you the one that's still reluctant? Or are you the half-hearted person? Amen. Thank you very much. The children of God become disciples. Uh, to Jade, I just want to tell you, uh, only God alone can give us confidence. So the more you study the word, the more you become confident because that confidence only comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. You can ask Robbie, I was a very nervous person. When we got married, I never used to like to speak to people. I didn't like to go into shops and ask people for something. That was Robbie or Dow's beauty. It would have laugh of me. <laughs> so when, um, uh, when Janita asked us which topics we want to choose and to speak about, I said to her, no, when you choose. And she gave me the, the, the title, The Disciples Master. And now when, uh, when, I, when, I, when, when she gave me the subject to speak about, I immediately thought about the song that came to mind. Jesus is my master, the only provider. He is king, ruler of everything. Now my scripture reading is found in John 13 verse 13, where the Bible says, uh, it says here, You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is who I am. Now the question of authority is a burning issue of our times. It is a challenge in every sector, the home, the church, the school, and the community. Every ship must have a captain, and every kingdom a king. Every home ahead, if they are to function right. We see this today in our own homes. Like sometimes it's as if we as mothers speak to our children, they don't want to listen. But if we tell the father, lace the property, then lace the cunt immediately. And I want to also tell the child, the dads today, speak to your sons and daughters because God has placed you to, to speak to the children, to, to take your authority in your households this morning. So we as disciples must believe in Christ and we must submit, submit to his authority alone. For the Christian, there are only two alternatives. The authority rests in the master's hand or in your own hands. Can we go to Acts 10 verse 36? The Bible says, uh, let me just go to that scripture, sorry. Okay. It says here, 36, you know the message God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. According to Isaiah 45 verse 5, Jesus says, I am the Lord, and there is no other. To acknowledge Christ's Lordship as disciples, it is very important. It is more than just singing the song, He is Lord, He is 
Lord. Now according to Acts 22 verse 10, um, it speaks about our allegiance must be to God and to God alone. We see the Bible, in the Bible, Israel did not want to entirely reject Jehovah. They, they, um, they invited other gods to share his allegiance. But God will not tolerate no rival, no divided lo loyalty. It is clearly stated that the Lord Jesus Christ has absolutely and final authority over the whole church and its members of it. Where there is no Lord in practice, life becomes a battleground and a, co a conflicting authority. So we must give Christ full submission to his authority in our lives. We must recognize the recognition of his authority and unquestionable obedience according to Luke 6, 46. Um, is the true and unmistakable evidence in the, the, the reality of Christ's Lordship in our lives. This is not what I say, but what I do. So this morning I want to encourage the church, let us not withhold any part of our lives from the mastery of, of Christ. Let us acknowledge Jesus Christ as our authority in our, our daily lives. The Lord bless you. Of one aspect of his 
of his prayer of blessing for them. First, he first prayed for the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ to be with him. Paul identified Christ as Lord. So we need to do all the time when we are in the church, we always need to acknowledge him. When we pray, we always acknowledge God um, in everything we do. Next, he prays for the love of God. Is that God's love for the world, he motivates him to send Christ to the earth to make grace and forgiveness for our sin. John 3 verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. I think that is the confidence that we have as Christians, as we are here, and our hope in our lives. He will be able to find us to us. Finally, Paul prays um, for fellowship of the Holy Spirit to be with him. Everyone that comes to the faith in Christ receives God's Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 22 to 22. Um, 1 verse 21 to 22. The Spirit makes it um, possible for Christians to communicate with the Father and to be uh, in relationship with Him. Luke 6 verse 40, verse 40, the disciple is not above his master, the teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his master. And I just want to thank Pastor Peter, John and Laverne for always just availing themselves, for um, teaching us uh, um, God's word. As we sit in the class and I want to ask, then I said, no, mommy, I want to ask. I said, no, I don't want to ask. Next question is stupid. Because by a kere, what is gefaced with challenges in. I want to ask you a question. Can I ask you for anything? So I feel in my spirit that next question is stupid. I said, I want to ask you a question. Thank you so much. Um, for the for the opportunity, thank to um, the Lord for my potential on the Bible school to the Pastor Brian the thing to see if my comment was something and Jai will be the first doctor to tell him about something and in cake of charity joy and I and I thank the the first class and those in our two-year class to come in. I say that the and the classes that they done must Jai eight because Jai. Check the deal for me and I and I need to. I only buy it by a donkey. See, pastor, it was for my pastor. See, I can't live long learn over and near buy it. And for my son, buy it. They give a now. Cheers, come here. Lina, the Bible. Can you? I can look now the Bible. So now can I for all challenge of scriptures as I for my. They are saying me, but the Bible says so. In buy it, but I know here that I for my say me, but I say ah ah. Lees goed daar die scripture, dit is wat die Bijbel sê, en dit is wat die woord van die heren vir ons weer, dat, ja, as hy sê vir my baie kere, as hy kon nie, soos die woord sê, ek gaan, soos poste oor een van die daar, ek gaan een lifelong learner, een van die daar staan, ek ook hier, dan kan ek ook die woord, want dit is wat ons, as, as, die Bijbel sê, so enjoy, ons die eerste saam vir ook gaan sê, dat ons, as Christene is die sult van die aarde, ons is die licht van die wereld. In die Bijbel sê, as die sult mag word, waarmee sal het gesult word? En as die challenge wanneer jy hier die klas sult doen, want jy dink constantly, vir al in jou familie, die kinders, as hulle jou kwaad maak, hulle is nie vol vir jou te sê, but mommy, you're a Christian. I said, yeah, Mike is a Christian, Mike. With authority, as you know, for my blood, Mike. 
ik moet jullie leren oor die woord, ek moet jy sê, en dan was ik geleer oor die woord, die man die heren gaan vir ons as ouwers van die woordelikheid wanneer het kom by ons te So I'm going to be sharing on uh, servanthood. So while um, Janita in the week asked me to share on the servanthood, um, I asked the Lord, Lord, uh, what, where do I start? What do I say? And I just felt that um, I just needed to speak from the heart. And yes, also with the, 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 the notes, I did you know, take some of the notes into consideration as well, just to guide me. But um, my my main thing when I when I thought about what I'm going to speak about is that I think everybody that's here today is called to be servants of God. Whether you are cleaning the church, whether you are usher in the church, you know God has all called us for His purpose. So I'm going to be sharing on um, Isaiah 42. So it's it's Isaiah is obviously one of the prophets who always spoke and prophesied on the coming of Jesus Christ. So, um, okay, let me start here. So in Luke 22 verse 27 he says, I am among you as one who serves. This is obviously Jesus speaking. So Jesus is saying, no one is greater than his master. And I asked myself the question, why would Jesus say that? Why is no one greater than the master? Was it to remind us? that we need to remain humble as children of God, I think possibly yes, um, was to remind us that, you know, um, that we need to, to acknowledge that without Jesus being our master, being in our lives, um, it's, it's going to be pointless to, you know, to be part of serving in the church or in the body of Christ. So, um, in Isaiah 42, um, chapter 1 to 4 um, Isaiah says Here is my servant whom I uphold My chosen one whom I delight I will put my spirit on him And he will bring justice to the nations He will not shout or cry out Or raise his voice in the streets A bruised reed he will not break And a smoldering wick he will not uh, snuff out In faithfulness he will bring forth justice he will not falter or be discouraged. So in that passage of scripture, what word stood out for me is falter and discouraged. And many a times we as believers, we feel that, you know, we want to give up. We feel discouraged because, you know, the things that we do face in life, disappointments, you know, things is not going our way. We pray for things and, and you know, the, this scripture is encouraging us, telling us that we need to stay strong and be you know, have perseverance and endurance, uh, especially in serving in the body of Christ. Because sometimes you feel that maybe what you're doing is not being acknowledged in church, but in the eyes of the Lord, you know, God will bless you and keep, uh, you know, keep continuously blessing you for, for what you're doing. Um, yeah. So I also think of the life of, of, of David. As a shepherd boy, I don't think David imagine that he would one day become king but you know God took David through that process of 
being a shepherd boy and um, going through, you know, if I look at our, David was probably, if I'm not mistaken, probably one of the youngest, or if not the youngest of his brothers, probably the, probably the most timid one, and um, all that David did, you know, was look after uh, um, sheep, and that might be insignificant to people or to man at the time, but uh, God was busy, you know, what David, uh, busy building him up to become a great king one day. So sometimes you, you, you think what you're doing in the body of Christ is maybe not significant. Continue doing what you're doing because there is a plan and there is a purpose God has for you. Right? I was also sharing with Brother Clint this morning about the documentary that I watched. It's nothing to do with the servanthood, but it kind of ties in with servanthood as well. Uh, I don't know if you can remember a couple of years back there was uh, this in Thailand there was 13 uh, soccer players who were caught in a, in a cave and this cave ran 10 kilometers through. So they had to call in the Navy SEALs, they had to call in the National Thai, uh, Thailand Army, they had to call volunteers, there was pumps and there was all of this. They called in every man-made thing, you know, to help these boys, to rescue these boys. However then, um, the, the, the people that was chosen to rescue, that finally could rescue these boys, was simple, simple guys. Um, they did cave diving as a hobby and they and you know, in the documentary, they go into into their life stories of how they were never um, popular in school. They were never um, guys that was you know they um, talked about. They were always the ones that was um, for themselves. But yet, God, God has chosen them for a time and place. You know, for them to be significant in the lives of these boys, because easily it could have ended up in, in, in tragedy. But God used them, you know, uh, to save these boys. And um, even one of the, 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 the Navy SEALs, ex-Navy SEALs, he died uh, um, uh, trying to save them. So um, the point of the story is, you know, uh, when we look into retrospect into our lives of where we are, God has called everybody. If I look at my life uh, of where God has called me out and where I want to be, uh, um, it's an honor. To, to you know, to be part of the body of Christ. I'm still trying to find my feet as far as serving the Lord. And a lot of the things that Marty actually spoke to, I asked myself, I'm like that sometimes. Wow. Sometimes I'm so eager to do something in the church, but am I doing it because of impulse? Am I doing it because of impulse? I got for my own down because I died on, or am I doing it really because I want to do it? So, uh, or. Am I doing it because it's in the will of the Lord? So I think that sometimes we as humans, we, we, we sometimes overthink things sometimes. And I think it's important to keep things very basic. But you know, God has instilled something in you for you to be a blessing in somebody else's life. So it's important that you find that place that, you know, God, who can I bless? Who can I encourage? And sometimes we fail to do that because, you know, life keeps us so busy. With, uh, with life and then um, it's important um, for us to to, to uh, remember that I just want to share a very um, important part of the scripture that that stood out to me uh, is in John 13 verse 15 when Jesus spoke when he made the perfect example of what a servant is or supposed to be I would say if you can if you can uh, bring it up okay, 
Um, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master or a messenger greater than the one who sent him. I'm not sure it's that scripture. But it's basically the scripture that I wanted to speak about was Jesus was the perfect example of how to be a perfect servant where um, he washed the feet of his disciples. I mean, what great, you are the king of the, you are the son of God, but look what Jesus done. He showed us the perfect example of how to be a servant. We have a lot of pastors who are not You know, but that is just an example Jesus made to us. Sometimes you, it's, it's a small things that counts and that um, God acknowledges that the small things that you and I do is, is great in the sight of the Lord. So this morning I just want to encourage you guys, if you feel despondent, if you feel what you're doing, is not acknowledged by pastor, by the deacons, by the elders, by the church body. But in the eyes of the Lord, God acknowledges what you're doing. The times that you're praying for your loved ones, the times that you're interceding for your church congregation, your family members, uh, you know, just sending a text message or encouraging somebody, that is part of being servant. Isn't God as, as uh, um, He's brought us over as sons and daughters of the Most High through His blood, through the blood of, of Jesus. So we all have the inheritance, uh, you know, that God has given us through His Son this morning. Yeah, I just want to uh, tell uh, Craig that that soccer team was Manchester and the Navy taught him how to dive. <laughs> so mine is the disciples' ambition. And when you look at the word ambition, it says, ambition is a strong desire to achieve something. And this morning, we as disciples, that is our main cause, a desire to achieve something. In life, each one of us live to achieve something. Whether it be fortune, whether it be fame, but when you do something, when you have an ambition, you want to achieve something. A soccer player doesn't play soccer just for fun. He wants to achieve the highest that he can go. And so, with a disciple, Jesus has given us the mark. And that is our desire, is to achieve what Jesus has done for us. Discipleship is not about self-gain, but to glory His Master, who is Christ Jesus. There's three headings that I want to concentrate on, and that is the place of ambition. We all are strategically differently placed. So we have an ambition in our place where we are. It's not about fame or fortune in discipleship, but it's about the Master's work. Then also, the test of ambition. You will be tested in your ambition. You won't get it all the time right, because you must remember there is a battle. There is a battle. When I want to do good process, I do wrong. So we can see that 
there will be tests in your life as a disciple. The kingdom of God is found on self-sacrifice, not on selfishness. Then a master's ambition is always found in the center, in the glory of Christ and the advancement of his kingdom. We as disciples here on earth, we need to advance the kingdom of God. The fourth one is the contested ambition. It is always trying to maintain your integrity and loyalty to your master who is Christ Jesus. Tatum, can I have 2 Corinthians 5 verse 9 please? So we make it our goal to please Him, whether we are at home, in the body, or away from Him. So this morning, let that be our desire to achieve, to always please God, whether we are at home, in the body, or away from Him. Good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Glenn Hendricks. Um, I just want to share with you that Talim Ministries promotes discipleship. I'm an example, I'm here. Thank you, Pastor, Pastor Robbie, everyone. Just to give you a little short story before I, I go further, where I come into this whole picture. A few years ago, at my place of work, uh, a friend of mine, also a Christian, he left and he says, book up with Cyril. And um, I've known Cyril Kauli for many years. Um, and when he told me, hook up with Cyril, that is discipleship. So eventually, we fellowship together at work. And to the point where the people, I, I do IT, one of the things I do at work is IT, I'm in the Navy to Cyril. And that's the one person you always want when things go wrong. They, they, they see you coming and they, it's like a gift all over again. But the people in Cyril's environment, when they see me come and they walk away, because we're going to fellowship. Now, religion is frowned upon the Navy, not that they don't promote religion, but in the working place one of those old traditions we don't discuss uh, religions because it could offend many people of different faiths but I believe in these times God allows us to come into the presence of God in your workplace because it's very important in our workplaces, our schools wherever we get together is to fellowship, for support or for anything so now when I go to Cyril people walk away instead of seeing me coming to fix their computers or whatever. And just the last week when I came to Cyril on a day that we normally don't, they even know our prayer schedules, believe it or not. That when I came to Cyril um, and I sat down and they thought it was work and, I, and we started talking about the work, Word of God. And Cyril's colleague turned around and said, but this is not the day that you pray. So, so we are doing discipleship. Uh, before I go further, I just want to give God all the praise, all the glory, all the honor this morning. The words that's going to be spoken is not mine. I can't take anything from it. I'm just this vessel that stands here that has to bring the message. I've got gifts, like the gift of the invitation to come to this church this morning. I, I take that to heart and I say thank you to each and every one of you. I've also got a gift or two gifts, or, or, or basically just words of encouragement for certain people to hear. So that's the gift that's going to be left here. As I start about discipleship, I just want to open with what... George Bush. Now, through the course that we've been taught in discipleship, uh, Pastor and Pastor Robbie, um, they always use people in history 
whether it's bishops or people known or unknown to the world. So this morning, I want to bring George W. Bush. He was the 43rd president of the United States. If you don't know who he is, he was the president when the Twin Towers was bombed in, in America. And he once at a, at, a, at a gathering of the richest people, he said, it's nice to be in the presence of the haves and the have mores. Now, I don't know if that's an arrogant thing, but I'm here this morning to say I'm in the presence of the have plenties. We have more than enough. So if you think you are short this morning of anything, the gift of the Holy Spirit and the gift of God as a believer is more than any money can bring. Let me encourage you this morning. So I'm in the presence of greatness. Thank you for allowing me here this morning. To start with discipleship, the ideal discipleship was spoken about. And this morning we go to Mark, where Jesus approaches the, the fishermen on the Sea of Galilee. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, just picture your mind, this is God walking on the beach. His son it was sent for us to die for our sins. He's walking on the beach on the Sea of Galilee. He saw Simon and his brothers casting their nets. We know the, the verse. And Jesus says to them, Come with me and I will make you fisher of men. What do they do? They drop their nets and they go. It's not that they were impulsive like we heard. It's not that they were too minded. They were waiting on Christ. As much as people didn't know who Christ was, but that discussion is like all of us in our workplace. We talk about things. Good things, bad, doesn't matter. They were waiting. It's an appointment. God comes to you by an appointment. Every one of us has an appointment. When you get saved, it's by an appointment. We can come to church for 20 years, but that one Sunday morning, we come because we would have heard the word of God and the voice that says, it's your time. We've all been through that and we can testify that. So when Christ came as a disciple to collect the people for, to do his work of discipleship, they couldn't say no. They dropped their nets and we know the story. So we understand what disciples is. You must be a follower and you must be a believer. The conditions of discipleship. Now here's something that I learned. The, one of the, 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 the points in that was the hate for your parents. Now I mean, how can we hate our father or mother? But we must love the Lord more. And that hate is not a hate, it's just loving less. So when it said it's the way they were spoke and Laverne, I think it was, that shared one evening, the Greek translation on that. It's just how they spoke in those days. So it's not that I hate my father or my mother or anyone less. It's I love the Lord more. The evidences of discipleship. So, sorry, let me just go back to conditions of discipleship. Mark 12, verse 2. Mark 12, verse 2. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. We can't, we can't do anything without these two commandments. You can't do something for God if you don't love one another. You can't also have reservations about doing things. So we must love the Lord our God. Respect of the conditions. There's going to be times your kids are going to say, we can't go today, but you've committed yourself. But God will put things in place. We must understand God will put things in place to make that okay. So we go to evidences of discipleship. Here's the important one. And it's Matthew 28, verse 19-20. We have an instruction from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that each and every Christian should spread the gospel by teaching, 
which Tauti Ministries are doing. Sharing same, the word and the love of Christ. So we must know the word. We must have the love of Christ. And we must share throughout the world. Now, I don't know, I can't remember this person if he's an evangelist today, but I saw a clip on social media of a Muslim man, I don't know in what region, Afghanistan or Pakistan, wherever he came. He was more upset at the Christians for keeping the gospel to ourselves. When he, come, when he came to hear the gospel spoken, he couldn't understand how this word, the Bible, was kept away from them. The lies that they were told. So he was more upset, and I think he, he says that in that clip, how us Christians keeps away the word. So it's very important, don't hold this to yourself. Really, when God gives you an opportunity to drop that net, when you're in a train sitting next to someone, when you're in a hospital waiting to be out, when you're standing in a queue, allow God and the Holy Spirit because people are in need. Our people are hurting out there. So it's for us as the disciples who come to that aid of that people with a word. Not ours, the word of God. This is a gift. If this Christmas you never receive a gift, believe you me, if you don't have money for your children's presents, take out the Bible. If you don't have a Bible, you all got phones. I know everyone gets phones on credit or whatever. There's a Bible app that you can download and read your kids the gift that keeps on giving. So don't say this Christmas I'm without a gift because we tend to overlook if people are crying at us as Christians and saying, why haven't you told us about this gift that keeps on giving? And believe you me, this is a gift that keeps on giving. The test of discipleship. Now here comes the test. We heard about the impulsive volunteer, the reluctant conscript, and the half-hearted volunteer. Now I'm going to teach you something. Now it's not just that I'm giving you a gift as well that came through and Pastor is going to use it in his evangelism where he goes, is the robot theory. But listen carefully now. Don't use the robot theory when the pastor says, I need to move. Okay, let me first explain, then you'll understand the robot theory. We understand how the robot works, and I'm talking about the traffic lights, red, green, and uh, amber, right? We understand we go on green. Now, also bearing in mind today, our people are very disobedient on the streets. No one stops at red, no one, no one stops at red anymore. So red is the new green, but let's go to the old days of the robot. But in reverse, it works like this in the test of discipleship. When you long for something, if you've ever wanted to do something for Christ, but is not sure about it, you wait on the robot. For it's when you at red, God is preparing you. Because at red, you are thinking of things. You're saying, Lord, I so much want to be like Pastor Dolores. Lord, I so much want to be like this person. But I know I need to bring something to the table. I need to bring something to your altar. So you stand at red and you wait at red until you can drop your necks because in the amber is when God is making things happen in the realm that we don't see. He's manifesting something. He's putting things in place. He's preparing things that your kids don't say, Mommy, again, Daddy, again, you're going to help the church. But when green comes, you drop your necks and you say, Lord, here I am. Use me to teach others. So that is the robot theory. So when you see a robot, when you drive in the streets, and I think Pastor Robbie said, Around the corner from where you stay is a robot. So keep looking at the robot. But here comes the, the other thing. Don't blame me now. When Pastor and, and, and everyone here says, I need follow, the follow, following volunteers for chairs and that, and everyone sits. And they say, we're waiting on the robot. It doesn't apply to that, eh? 
You can just say, I will pack the chairs, my wife can wait by the car, I will do that. It is when you are, when God is speaking to you, remember that, or when your heart goes out to help you, even if you don't have finances to help someone, you apply the robot theory. Because in talking, even if you want to help a family and you can't, by talking to a stranger can be a blessing when that person said, who needs this blessing? But God makes the amber the work, and the green is the green light of God. The disciples master. I'm in the Navy, so the thing is we work under leadership. You don't do your own thing. You, you are led by who's in charge of you. And I've been fortunate at times to be in charge of youngsters under my command, or under my sections. Um, as a youngster, years ago, more than 20 years ago, I was a section leader. So the thing is, I knew what was expected of me, and I made sure that they knew what was expected of them. When you're on a ship, and you're in a storm, you look to the captain. When we in storms in our life, who is our captain? Jesus Christ. We don't say, I know this path, I know this storm, I know this wave. Believe you me, I've served almost 30 years in the Navy, I've been in storms. It's never the same, but it's rough. You don't know if you're going to get through the other side. But let me tell you something. God, when, if you know the God that I serve, and you see that break in the cloud, you know there's clear storm, or there's clear waters on the other side of it. But we wait on God, on our captain, to guide us on that journey. The disciple servanthood. Sorry, before I go further, the disciple senior pastor. I'm getting ahead of myself here. Jesus Christ is the senior partner. Now, what we've learned was, as a business, when you ask for a silent partner, and I understand the concept, I did a bit of law as well, so when you have an agreement with someone to be a partner in your business, you run everything, and that's what was explained to us. You run everything and your signing partner draws dividends from it. He draws the money, you do the work, equal share, but because he fronted the money or she fronted the money, I mustn't leave the ladies out of this because there's a message for you so it's well coming. We understand it's equal share, but in discipleship it works differently. Jesus Christ is the silent partner, but he speaks the loudest. He speaks so loud that when the quiet, when you're on your knees, you hear the roar and you hear his voice. So that is the difference. He's, he's, he's maybe silent, but he's the loudest. And we draw from Christ, not Christ drawing from us. The disciple servanthood. No servant is greater than his master. We serve to elevate Christ. I heard, you know, in, in life, I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, don't look to name brands or to people for greatness. It happens right around us. From the least person that you expect. I heard someone say, and this is a lady that cleans, and it's nothing, she's, she's, that's her job. And she was cleaning at our house, and my mother said to me, do you know what this girl told me? And I had a warm moment. Not often that I have warm moments. She said when she was at school, she wanted to clean houses. Can you believe it? When we are all saying, go to university, nothing wrong with that. Get a good job, nothing wrong with it. But let me tell you, if you've ever seen someone working quality, that's got the happiest heart, is someone that put their heart into what their vocation would be one day. So the thing is, take away titles, you know? Take away titles because God elevates you. I'm, a, I'm in the Navy for almost 30 years. I get overlooked for promotion every year. Believe you me, I pass that because my promotion comes from the Lord. But let me tell you where God takes this sailor. This sailor, on many occasions, spoke to the, the commanders and chief in charge of the Navy. Where there was other senior people, I was asked to speak to them. So this is how God uses us, when you avail yourself as a disciple. Because people will see the light coming out of you and wonder, what is that? 
That is the light coming out. What light is that? And then you say, please come and speak to me because I'd love to share with you who my God is. That's what, what, what God does. And also, by the way, I have an office with no door. Can you believe it? But believe you me, God brings people into that office to cry, to share, to ask. And believe you me, when we are in fellowship in that office, no one comes through that door. No one comes through that door. And I've got a busy office, you can ask Cyril. No one comes through that door. Because when it's by God's appointment, no man can come and disturb what God wants us to encourage one another. The disciple servitude. That's what I was busy with. But let me just share another thing with you. During, while we are in COVID now, but at some stage in, in the couple of months ago, because of COVID, we're working shifts. And also, the way we work, we were without water for months, running water. So now you must know how bad it is, buckets and things like that. And then I decided to clean the toilets. Now it's below what I'm supposed to do. That, that's what you do when you join the Navy. You just clean toilets and, and polishing decks and things like that. But you move on in life. But when you humble yourself enough to clean toilets, and I think several of them do it as well, when you can take mops and buckets and clean toilets, where other people think it's below them. So I found myself doing that first thing in the morning. I would go and clean the toilets. And then the senior person came to me and reprimanded me and said, why are you cleaning toilets? And I looked at her and I said, well, who's going to do it? Because COVID and other diseases know no person. It doesn't know rank, it doesn't know levels. It attacks you, so I'm doing my part. So I carried on and I was taken aback by that. And I went to my supervisor and said, I think people have got a problem with me cleaning the toilets. Because we've got cleaners, but because of shifts, they're not on that same shift. But let me tell you something. When we had the Admiralty, now this is all the senior people of the Navy descending on the unit. They were all looking for Clint to go and clean the toilets because it was stinking. So now Clint is good enough when the, when, the, when the brass comes around, you see. So the thing is, don't be shy to be a servant. Because God knows us and in the notes it speaks about the light that comes through them. So be that servant always. The disciples' ambition, like Pastor Siddle spoke about. We must always please the Lord. Our ambition must be to always honor the Lord, to please the Lord. You know, it's like, and I heard this lately, I'm hearing it a lot on Instagram where Denzel Washington, I think he's a Christian as well. He says, put God first. In everything you do, put God first. If we can just go to that, I think I sent the PowerPoint slide with the definition of this cycle. Don't you have it? Okay. So I came up with a definition of disciple. Disciple stands for, I would like to have it up there, but I'll have it here on my screen. Disciple stands for discipline. You've seen how disciplined people are. From Jay, they thought she was nervous. You were brilliant, by the way. Because let me tell you something, we are all nervous. Because we are not robots. So it's part of human nature to be nervous. Um, I went once to international. I was telling Pastor Robbie this morning. I once went to international conference of international speakers in Johannesburg. My sister invited me. 
and there this guy is a well-known speaker. He encourages corporates, companies, whatever. And his words was, I can speak anywhere in the world. We all have butterflies, but we learn to let the butterflies fly in sequence. So you never get over that. But well done. So disciple stands for, and just in summation, disciple stands for discipline, individual, serving Christ in purpose, leadership, eternally. That's what discipleship is. And I would just love to leave this gift, but before I get the gift, I want to encourage the woman here today by something that, I, that God spoke to me about years ago, and it's something that I always tell people in the Bible, you need to find it, is the woman, it's meant for someone here to hear today, is the woman at the well. And if you think, the, oh, there's it now. So it's, disciple is a disciplined individual serving Christ in purpose, leadership, eternity. So the woman at the well is the same as the fisherman on the beach on the Sea of Galilee. You can identify as a woman, I can't. Think of this, and I just want you to think of this. Young woman, woman, just think of this now, because it's made for you to hear. Walking to that well, she carried the weight of the world on her shoulders. She was mocked, criticized, downtrodden, taken for granted. You can think whatever your experience is as a woman, that woman was carrying it. But who waited for her at the well? By appointment. You see, discipleship comes by appointment. And Christ was waiting for her. So, take from that, in your experience as a woman, because our women are downtrodden in this world today. We have so much bad things happening to women, but women need to rise up. Not overthrow men, but rise up. And you listen to the narrative and you'll find it. I don't have the scripture. You need to go and find it yourself. I, that's why I didn't put the scripture down here. Find the woman at the well. And you find the discussion she has with Christ. She doesn't know who he is. But he heard her prayers. He heard her cries. Whatever you need today as a woman, find out from the woman at the well. Put yourself in her position as she walks to that well and Christ says to her, Why are you carrying water up and down? I can give you life-giving water. That's unending. You don't have to do those trips. And what does she become? She becomes a disciple. She becomes an evangelist on her way back. Because she went and spread the gospel. So that is for the woman today. That's a gift from God. And the second, as I round off, is a poem that I wrote. It's a pity my teachers couldn't be here today. Because they wrote me off. They said you'll be a failure in life. Praise God for that. And I'm writing poems. Can you believe it? I want to leave you with this poem. It's called Rejection is Revelation. He came down to save a disobedient people of God's land. They lived and carried on not knowing the truth and had to be led by the hand. He shared the good news day by day. He carried on winning souls night and day. The people were drawn in masses by daily sermons. Jesus spoke and prayed in loving them from demons. The truth of our Lord's word had to be shared. To all the disobedient, exposed sin lay bared. Rejected on Golgotha Hill, he died for a disobedient people who resorted to place on a cross and killed. Seated in heaven, next to the Father on the gracious and glorious throne, we rejoice and celebrate that rejection.
which became the revelation we too one day have a place in our father's home thank you Were you blessed this morning? Yes.